2: Aztec fans, what's going on? John Schaefer with you. It is the Aztec wrap-up show. Huge day for San Diego State on the recruiting trail. Four-star power forward, Farrow Compton, announcing tonight he's heading for San Diego State as a verbal commit in 2024. And earlier today, a seven-footer, David Majak, I think I'm saying that right, M-A-J-A-K. Actually, I don't even know if I'm saying that right or not. Also committing verbally to San Diego State. So the seven-footer, David Majak, the four-star power forward out of Vegas, Farrow Compton, and another small forward, Taj deGourville, who had committed uh, earlier this past summer. And San Diego State has really put themselves um, in a great spot heading into the 2024 recruiting cycle. That will not be the entirety of the class. They might hit the transfer portal in their backcourt as they're going to potentially graduate both Darion Tremel and Lamont Butler. Butler would have an extra year of eligibility, but of course he tested the NBA waters. Uh, but San Diego State well on their way with this prep class, three players committed right now verbally for 2024. So a lot to talk about. Uh, We can get into some San Diego State football as well, planning to be with you for the next 45 minutes or so. So as you make your way in, this might be your first time here. Um, If it is your first time here, please subscribe. We have year-round exclusive Aztec basketball and football content for you. Hit that subscribe button down below. Smash the like button if you wouldn't mind. You can follow me on Twitter at John Schaefer. Let us know where you are watching from here tonight, whether you're here live or on replay. If you're here on replay, you can comment down below. If you're here live, please put it in the comment section as you watch. Where are you hanging out uh, with us here tonight? If if you have a comment or a question and you want me to get to it here over the next 45 minutes, I'd be happy to do that. Um, You know, you figured that San Diego State, based on what they did a year ago, was going to have some momentum on the recruiting trail, and that's exactly what has happened here. You know, any Aztec basketball fan would tell you that if you look at San Diego State over the last handful of years, even more than that, going back to Steve Fisher, certainly over the last six plus seasons under Brian Dutcher, San Diego State has really cleaned up via the transfer portal. I mean, even before the portal was the portal, just with transfers, even with players having to sit out a year, then into the portal. And NIL, of course, has become a huge topic in college athletics, including college basketball. San Diego State is positioned right now in NIL, and they haven't been slowed down um, in this new world, so to speak. And where they had been so good with the transfers, they're now getting back to these prep players. And that's what you're seeing right now with 2024. Off the national championship game, I think on three today, had Farrell Compton as a uh, the highest-ranked San Diego State basketball commit since either 2015 or 2016. And we can get into these three players, by the way, tonight as well, whether it's Compton, who's one of these really big physical athletic power forwards. He's at 6'8", but he's got a huge wingspan. He plays above the rim. He's a great finisher. He's a great dunker. Um, So Farrow Compton, again, committing tonight. You had Taj DeGourville, who's the small forward, who's very familiar with Compton. They've played together, um, I want to say, in elite teams. And I think that Compton, uh, when he went on a recent visit to San Diego State, he was joined by DeGourville, who had committed again over the summer. Um, DeGourville, highly ranked, highly sought after recruit, um, small forward. I think he's listed six, four. And then you have David Majak, who's a shot blocker. And what's interesting about Majak is you can now potentially pair him in the future. When you think about San Diego state basketball a year from now or two years from now, you got Magoon Guath, who's six eleven and three quarters, who San Diego state signed for this 2023 class. Who's on the roster right now. We'll see whether he plays this year or red shirts. And then you could pair him potentially in a year if not in two years, with David Majak, who's a seven-footer. And imagine that. I mean, San Diego State, um, you look at some of the size they're going to have in 2024 and beyond, and, you know, they're going to have, like, SEC size when you think about it. A pair of seven-footers, the 6'8", Compton, uh, DeGourville, Miles Bird, Elijah Saunders. Like, this is going to be a big physical basketball team, not as if they haven't been. San Diego State's been big and physical, and if you follow them this past year, one of their edges as they went through the NCAA tournament was a: they were veteran, right? They were old, and B: they were, um, you know, they were big. Nathan Okulka, Rope, keshaw Johnson, Matt Bradley—like this was a big, physical, experienced team. Brian Dutcher's always talked about this desire to not just be old, but also to be big, and I think he's going to find a way to kind of mesh this roster together via the prep route. Some of these younger players like the Guaths, like the BJ Davises, who he's got this year, Miles Heidi, by the way, is the future of your front court as well. I think you look at San Diego State's future in the front court and they're completely loaded. Um, whether it's into 2024, we'll see about 2023. You know, you got Jaden Laddie, um, who Brian Dutcher has been talking about at length here this offseason, was even talking about him obviously during the NCAA tournament, how he's just scratching the surface. I mean, imagine that, Aztec fans, if Jaden Ladia is only scratching the surface. You're going to pair him here this year with a number of intriguing options. DeMarche Johnson, we didn't see a lot last year because of how veteran San Diego State was. Miles Heidi, San Diego State, is really high on, although he is a true freshman. Kate Alger is now on scholarship. He could get some additional opportunities for the Aztecs this year as well. And then you look into the future, whether it's this year or next. Magoon Guath, we'll see if he plays this year or not. And then, again, David Majak and Pharaoh Compton. And you look at this frontcourt. And it appears to be really established. When you look at the backcourt for San Diego State, again, we'll see about whether you know Butler returns for a fifth year, uh, you know, just from the outside. It's somewhat hard to envision, right? As he tested the NBA waters, and then you have, of course, Darian Trammell, who had that outstanding NCAA tournament for San Diego State as well. And you're going to graduate him. So they might go into the portal when it comes to guard play. They'll also, of course, have Miles Burr, they'll have PJ Davis. I didn't even mention, by the way, Elijah Saunders in that front court a moment ago. So you begin to kind of talk about these options for Brian Dutcher and his staff moving forward, and it's just intriguing, and it's exciting, and, um, you know, it's not as if they're recruiting at a different level right now. Brian Dutcher talked about this throughout the NCAA tournament. I was joined by him in Vegas this past week for Mountain West Media Day, caught up with Lamont Butler, um, also Darion Tremel, and he's like, well, listen, we've already been recruiting well. Look at our 2011 team that could have won a national championship game if not for, you know, a back-and-forth finish against UConn in the Sweet 16 um, that Aztec fans have talked about for forever over the last decade plus. You have the 2014 team that made the Sweet 16. You had a 2020 team. We we don't even know, folks. I mean, 2020, you'll never know. It's the NCAA tournament. Anything can happen. You can have an early exit. You can win a national championship. Nothing is overly surprising um, when you look at what's happened over the last couple of years, the Virginias and the Purdue's. But then you see runs like Butler and Gonzaga and San Diego State this past year but i mean without the pandemic who knows who we're talking about right now are we talking about two final fours for san diego state in four seasons we're talking about two elite eights in four seasons i mean two sweet 16s remember the route in 2020 i hate to go down that path again um because i've done it so much it's one of those we'll never know right how many licks does it take to get to the tootsie roll center for tootsie pop the world will never know it could have been a final four team that could have been a national championship team Um, but you had the 2020 team, you've had this 2023 team. Here's the point, regardless of what people have thought about the way San Diego state has recruited, whether it's the, you know, rankings through the recruiting services or what they've done in the transfer portal, they've recruited specifically to their style defense first, again, big physical athletic positionless basketball. And, uh, look at what they've done through the portal over the last handful of years. I mean, just look at it, whether it's, Malachi Flynn or Yanni Wetzel or KJ Fagan or Darion Trammell. Um, and I'm missing a number, obviously. Uh, but they've done very well, obviously, in the transfer portal. And now they're going to do it, you know, both via the high school route with some of these younger players that they want to develop in the program. Someone like Lamont Butler, that's in his fourth year now in the program. But you couple some of the younger players, Miles Bird now into his second year in the program. And you you couple those prep players with some veteran additions, and you put them into San Diego State's culture with Brian Dutcher and his staff and what Steve Fisher, of course, built before Dutcher, and you've got one of the elite programs in the country. And you heard Brian Dutcher, I think a lot of you that are here said, I probably heard Brian Dutcher, whether it was, um, I think it was on the Field of 68 podcast in Vegas this past week, where Dutch talked about this narrative around San Diego State and how you know he and the coaching staff control that. And that San Diego State, you've heard him say this for years, that San Diego State is a power program that's in a mid-major league. And no matter what league San Diego State is in in the future, whether there's a Pac-12 merger, whether it's a power four league in the future, whether it's the Mountain West, whatever it is, San Diego State has put themselves in a position where it's less about the league and it's more about their program, a little bit like Gonzaga right now in the WCC, Memphis to some extent in the AAC. Of course, San Diego State has had much more success than Memphis in recent history. But when you look at the way that they've kind of invested, the resources provided to San Diego State men's basketball, I think it looks a lot more like a Power Five program, like a Gonzaga, like a Memphis, than it looks like anything else outside of those Power Leagues. So, you know, this is a little bit looking towards the future. Um, When you look to the here and now, San Diego State is coming off, of course, a run through the NCAA tournament all the way to the national championship game, where they lost to the University of Connecticut in Houston, and from there, San Diego State went into the portal. They added Reese Waters, they added Jay Powell. Um, they pair those two via the prep route as well with the BJ Davises, and the Miles Heides, and you've got a lot of these players back. Yes, they've lost a lot. There, there's no doubting that San Diego State has lost a lot, but. This is the state of college basketball. San Diego State lost a lot, a lot after 2020, and in 2021, um, that pandemic year, the Aztecs were what a five seed in the NCAA tournament when they uh, lost to Syracuse. Or were they a six? I think they were six seed in Indy when they lost to Syracuse, and they rattled off like 14 consecutive wins on their way to the NCAA tournament. That was after losing um, some of the best players, some of the best individual seasons in school history: Flynn, Wetzel, Fagan. Like, think about that. They graduated Flynn, Wetzel, Fagan, and proceeded to put together a year in the midst of all the adversity with the pandemic and no fans inside Viejas Arena, where they were 60. You know, consensus kind of top 20-ish program heading into the NCAA tournament. And that was a team that lost a lot, a ton. And yes, this team is losing a lot, but remember, they're returning a lot as well. Um, of course, led by Ledee and Butler and Trammell and Parrish. So they're returning a lot. And again, how do you replace Nathan Mensa? We're going to find out. They're not going to look the same in 2023 as they looked, you know, in 2022-23, right? 23-24 is not going to look the same as 22-23. And by the way, I think that that's kind of exciting because, yeah, defensively, you're not going to have Nathan back there, right? The ultimate room protector, the ultimate five, you know, defensive player. But I think offensively, it frees you up to do a little bit more potentially moving forward than maybe they were doing previously. Um, so will it be a four-guard lineup with Jaden Lede? Obviously, Jaden's not going to be playing 35 minutes per game, but Jaden's going to be playing some five. I'm sure Jaden will be playing some four as well. Um, but offensively, there's just all these kind of limitless possibilities heading into the upcoming season, and we'll see how it develops. And it won't be easy to develop it when you consider what San Diego State has from a scheduling perspective right out of the gates, right out of the gates. Fullerton's the opener at home. Um, with all due respect to Fullerton and listen, they could give San Diego state a good game. I want to say last year, they gave San Diego state a good game for at least 30 minutes, but you look at after opening night and what's to come with BYU and Provo and San Diego state over the years has had limited success there, even with some of its best teams, like when Kawhi went there and others when BYU was in the mountain West. Now, of course, in 2020, San Diego state, when they got off to that 26 and 0 start, they did. Uh, they did so through BYU. That's kind of when you knew maybe this was going to be a special year back in 2020. I think it was game two, maybe game three, uh, Jordan Shackle, big three after big three in the second half, KJ Fagan, kind of the icer, um, with a three straight on three. I was there. That's how I recall it. I think Fagan kind of curling and hitting a three and a big one, um, for the Aztecs. So, you know, whether it's, um, and I'm losing my train of thought, hold on one second. Um, losing my train of thought because, okay, I apologize. Uh, by the way, if you are here, if you are here, please subscribe. Um, really would appreciate it if you are here, if you would subscribe. If you're an Aztec fan, uh, really would appreciate it. We have year-round content for Aztec. Three weeks from tomorrow. Three weeks from tomorrow. I think I have that right. The Aztecs will play banner-raising night against Cal State Fullerton at V.A. House Can you imagine what that atmosphere is going to be like for San Diego State three weeks from tomorrow? So please subscribe. Really would appreciate it if you are here, whether it's live or on replay. If you wouldn't mind subscribing, smash the like button for me. Tell your friends about it. If you wouldn't mind posting on social media, it's a relatively new venture, kind of a solo project. I do a wrap-up show I think a number of you know around Padres baseball. I do a lot of work on the radio and on YouTube for John and Jim. My uh, daily Monday through Friday sports talk show on San Diego sports 760. But this is a relatively new venture that I've launched earlier in the summer and, um, done some work around San Diego state football to start this 2023 season. We'll be getting back into it more now. The basketball season is here. So really would appreciate it. If you let people know, um, if you subscribed, please follow me on Twitter as well, by the way, at John Schaefer, that is J O N S T H A E F F E R. That is at John Schaefer. Um, so where was it? Oh yeah, the schedule here for San Diego State, how it's a little bit unforgiving, and you've got this new group and you're replacing all these parts. You know, the difference I think between this year and last year, yes, the change in parts, but from two years ago to last year, you had a lot of those players back. You had the disappointment of the Creighton game in the NCAA tournament. For San Diego they should have won the game, deserved to win the game, give Creighton credit. They came back to the final couple of minutes, right? San Diego State by nine minutes to play. Creighton ended up winning the game. Uh, in overtime. But what happened as a result of that is, A, clearly it made San Diego State extremely hungry, and B, it was a bit of a galvanizing moment, I think, for some of the players that had an option, whether to return or go, and a number of them decided to run it back, so to speak. So you had a lot of um, similarities between you know the Creighton team that lost, the team that lost to Creighton two years ago in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and the team that beat Creighton in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four this year. So when you were facing that non-conference schedule, it wasn't as, you know, open-ended, so to speak, because you kind of knew what you had based on the year prior. I think this year, the sky is the limit. And I think there's an extremely high ceiling. But the question is, how quickly do, does it all acclimate? Does it come together? And this is the case basically with every team. But when you consider BYU and Provo, Gonzaga, that's much later. That's at the end of December. I think you'll have a better feel for the Aztecs by the time they play in Spokane. Those are two. You know, marvelous opportunities. These aren't must-win games. Um, they would be fabulous games to get, and they could only enhance your resume. Come NCAA tournament time, but then you've got St. Mary's in Vegas. You got the possibility of Xavier in Vegas. You have Grand Canyon on the road, which is tricky. And that's putting it lightly. Um, Grand Canyon on the road. I'm missing another guys, aren't I? Cal, neutral site. You know, I think Cal did really well in the transfer portal this year, and will not be a push. Stanford at home you got to go to UCSD. Um, so, you know, this is, this is a real daunting schedule. It's not front-loaded with home games in the non-conference against teams that are 200 or lower in Ken Palm or the net. That's not what this is. And San Diego State has scheduled incredibly tough, and it's, rewar- it's been rewarding for the program. They've done a phenomenal job with scheduling. They've put themselves in a position where if they don't win the Mountain West tournament in Vegas, they still have a – you know, really solid resume. That's not just capable of getting the team into the NCAA tournament. as like a 10 or 11 seed, but has proven, you know, that they could get as net large, you know, a, a six seed or a seven seed. And right? I think a couple of years ago, in the Aztecs were seven seed as net large. Go back to a year before that, a six seed as a conference champion. Last year, a five seed as a conference champion. 2020, they would have been a two seed as an at-large team. They would have been a two seed as an at-large team in 2020 at 30 and two at worst, by the way, they would have been a two seed at 30 and two. They likely would have been the two seed in the West going through Sacramento and, uh, and Los Angeles. But um, again, we'll see those starts three weeks from tomorrow against Cal state Fullerton. And I've been saying a little bit um, that obviously expectations and excitement is like never been higher, right? For Aztec fans, right? We're, we're celebrating a national championship game last April. It's been a quick off season because the season got extended an extra month. Um, and the, the beauty of this is everyone is through the roof and on cloud nine and whatever cliche you want to use. With all that being said, you know, if, if you're thinking, because San Diego was in the national championship last year, they got to go two this year to build off that, it's not going to be easy to do something like that. First of all, the Mountain West has gotten four teams in the NCAA tournament each of the last two years. I mentioned who you're playing in the non-conference with the Gonzagas, with the BYUs, um, with the St. Mary's, who, by the way, is picked as the preseason favorite in the WCC, with the possibility of Xavier, who's been in a ton of NCAA tournaments uh, in recent history. So, like, you want to be better off for what you do in the non-conference once you get to the conference. No better example than last year for San Diego State. Remember, expectations and the excitement. We're talking about it to start the year, people are talking Sweet 16, or further, people are talking about preseason top 15 or 20 caliber team a year ago, and the Aztecs out of the gates uh, stumbled a couple of times in Maui, but they were better for it. And They wouldn't have potentially been better for it if they never had those opportunities against those high-level teams and if they never failed, because sometimes you need to fail to learn from it. We're talking about student-athletes and college kids, right? This isn't professional basketball, and this is also not college football where you have to go perfect or you have to have a season with only one loss to make an impact impact nationally and you know san diego state lost a game to arizona kind of convincingly in maui which changed the entire way they ran their offense right um after that arizona game the way they changed things with their forwards um and the way that they reconstructed their offense that you saw throughout the course of the second half of the year and then the disappointment, of course, of the Arkansas game where the Aztecs had a late lead, could not hold it. And I think in the in the long run, San Diego State was was better for it. I remember Lamont Butler after that game against Arkansas in Maui. I was there. He was quoted as saying, I'm not gonna let these two have six seconds define me. And the irony was just incredible because a couple of months later at the pit in New Mexico, six seconds to play, inbounding. You know, with 94 feet to go, it's with Butler he pulls up for a three that he drains to win the game and clinch a tie, the most regular season title. That alone was incredible. Fast forward another month, and it's Lamont Butler in Houston down a point with the only buzzer beater with the team trailing uh, in the history of the Final Four. Only buzzer beater when the shot left his hand with the team trailing in the history of the Final Four to win a game. And again, that came with how many seconds remaining? Six-ish. So the irony is believable but you kind of wonder like if not for the adversity are you ever able to succeed in those spots and now this team comes in with all this momentum and all this confidence what do they do with it? because it's going to be different but to me that really is um really is good. so again john Schaefer with you here on the wrap-up show um i see a number of you have commented here tonight if there's something you want me to get to uh, you can put it in the comments section Right now, if you're watching on replay, I would appreciate um, if you listen to where you're watching from by putting that in the comment section. Let's see here, guys. Um, earlier, Steve, thank you, says, great news on recruits. We have to continue to prove that we can go deep in the NCAA tournament each year. Yeah, I think last year, that kind of shut a lot of people up, locally and nationally, this idea that well, San Diego State is consistently winning, but they're not winning in the NCAA tournament. Well, they won five games in the NCAA tournament, and they did something they've never done in program history, and they did something that nobody in the history of the Mountain West has ever done. And I think that narrative has gone. I really do, and I know that the NCAA tournament is topsy-turvy and up and down, and you could go to a national championship, you could win a national championship one year and be out in the first round the next as a one seed. Virginia did that. They were actually out in the first round one year. The next year, they won the national championship. So it's unpredictable. It's what we all love about it. Um, but I think this narrative or this idea that San Diego State's really, really, really good, but they can't do it um, in the tournament. Obviously, that's completely out the door based on what they did this past April, March. Uh, thank you, here. Doctor is awesome. Hopefully, he stays for a long time. His seventh season, believe it or not, when winning winningest active coaches in Division One. I think he's top five in winning percentage.
0: Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com.
3: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.
2: Like active coaches, he wins as he has. Isn't that incredible? It really is uh, incredible. Larry Joe, what's going on, man? Thanks for hanging out. He says, Larry Joe here watching live on YouTube from Hamet. Appreciate that, Larry Joe. Jeff the Crusher earlier saying, Matty paying dividends. You know, it is. There's no question that it is. I think about the profile that San Diego State has always had with the elevation of the profile, you're playing for tens of millions throughout the NCAA tournament. Um, literally tens of millions of fans throughout the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, they can only enhance the profile. And you look at this class so far and how they've got the two players in the state of Nevada in it, ties Taj Degorville, who had committed earlier, the small forward back this summer, and then Farrell Compton today, who everyone is so high on, top 100 player, um, again, just kind of a, a motor guy, a 6'8", big wingspan, the basket, Finisher, rebounder, defender, and that's exciting. And then David who's seven feet tall. For San Diego State, they have multiple seven-footers, high-ceiling prospects on their roster beginning next year. They have Magoon Guath right now. See if he plays or not because of San Diego State, what they have in the front court, whether he'll hold redshirt or not. You've got, again, um, what they added here today in Majek. We'll see if he plays from year one or not. But if you look down the road, a year from now, two years from now, San Diego State could have you know a pair of seven footers on the floor at the same time. That's that's pretty incredible to think about. And not just that, um, big guards, big power forwards, and you know San Diego State I think is going to look like a power five team. As you know, often they do, they've always been big and physical. You know, we talk about positionless, we talk about year players. It's something you can't really replicate if you're an opponent. Like last year, Alabama against san diego state and the aztecs had that experience edge they're just getting bigger and stronger when you look at the classes that my doctor and staff are uh, bringing in oh brent thank you sons of Monty hat looking good yeah, shout out sons of Monty, thank you for this um they were doing an event over at Elspeth a couple of weeks ago for that air force game and they were uh, kind enough to provide me with this cap um, big fan of their work and um do around San Diego State athletics. I want to show some support here tonight. Um, Steve again says uh, Dutcher is an elite coach. I'm so happy the conversations did not go far. A couple of years ago, for the University of Minnesota had coaching position, the program has gone down tubes. Um, well, listen. I think Brian Dutcher. If you think about his trajectory and the time he spent on Steve Fisher's staff at Michigan and San Diego State, that Dutcher clearly wants to be here. There's no one, nowhere else he'd prefer to coach. Obviously based on the amount of time he waited to be the head man here and then the opportunities that have been provided based on his successes here. This is where he wants to be. Um this all likelihood I can't speak for him but you just think about it, this all likelihood will be the final stop in his coaching career. And you know hopefully there's a lot of years Dutcher, as head coach of San Diego State based on the successes he's had with this program over the last six plus years. You know, that's what I look about it. Um, Zeke, I think a lot of asset fans feel the same way. It's like every, again, this narrative idea that, hey, now the San Diego State made the National Championship game, what's do you need for them in recruiting? And like I said earlier, if going 2020 went three and two. 2021, you were a sixth. 2022, you were a seven seed. 2023, you were a five seed. The last four years, you would have been a two, five, six, seven seed. So they're already recruiting at ridiculously high four or five level, but this can only help. This can only help them and the players that they truly want. In the program. And if you follow San Diego State basketball recruiting, they're extremely selective, right? They're not casting this terribly wide net, bringing dozens of players on visits, right? They find players that fit the system and they hone in, and they've had success. They land the players that they hone in on, and that's clearly happening here. Today, with double, where you land both David Majak and the four star Pharaoh Compton. Gregory, thank you. Um, he asked if Miles Heidi looks like a the rotation this year. I think there's a very good chance. I mean, Brian Dutcher has spoken knowingly about Heidi. Uh, he does look like a freshman. I've seen him practice a couple times. He does not look like a freshman at all. He's big and physical and strong. He is a true freshman, so there will be a learning curve. But yeah, I'd be surprised if doesn't get an opportunity, Greg, um, here this year when you consider what. Like AG, Nathan, they need to replace the parts. And Heidi would be one of those pieces that you would think about replacing those parts with. And again, I don't know the um, nature of his role or the amount of time he's going to be given or what the overall plans are, but I'd be surprised based on, you know, Josh's enthusiasm for Heidi and what San Diego State is replacing if he wasn't given an opportunity. Um, He's capable of in the front court here, at least to start 2023. Allie, thank you. Ali says Dutch is a recruiting wizard, and they really have done well. Sometimes you, you, people get caught off, caught up in the stars and the those top 100 this, top 150. But the players they bring in more often than not are not just contributors, they are winners. You know, think about some of the program guys that they've recruited out of high school Jordan Shackle, at Mitchell. Butler. I mean, think about that in recent years. And the successes that those players enjoyed in an Aztec uniform and the growth they had in their game between each and every year. And then the transfer success is well documented because there's you know, it's been discussed. The success that San Diego State has had in transfers is weak nationally. Um, and it's not just in the last year or two or three. This is going back five, ten, Years before you know transfers were in vogue in college basketball, kind of how San Diego State put itself on the under Steve Fisher and Brian Dutcher over the last 20 years. Uh, Gregory says definitely looking to pick up some guards in the portal and stay old. Now, I'm sure that's at least part of the plan, Greg. Um, without having those conversations with the staff, but reading what Mark Ziegler wrote tonight in the UT, you know, if you are replacing Lamont Butler and Gary Tramell. You're going to go out and get some veteran guards, I would think. Now, you would have a third-year player in Miles Bird next year. You could potentially have uh, Mike Parrish back as well next year. Um, you could theoretically have Lamont back for the fifth season. But, again, someone that already tested the NBA waters, so I would be, you know, from my seat, surprised if Lamont was back beyond this year. Um, B.J. is a third-year player next year as well, and I'm probably missing as I'm doing this all off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's a good way to look at it. Um, Mighty Aztecs, thank you. He says uh, we saw how hard it was to get things in the portal. Getting them out of high school is the way to go. Getting guards and wings will be easier out of the portal. I love this point, Mighty Aztecs. I love this point. This is good and well said. And he- here's the reason why point is even uh, more valid in this era of college basketball, is that we all know that name and name, NIL is playing a role. I think it's playing more of a role in the transfer portal than it is with high school players. Certainly top 10 or 20 caliber high school players, the NIL component is going to be important. That's understandable. Well, when it comes to transfer portal, when you got third, fourth, fifth, and sixth-year players, basically fifth-year players at this point, um, as the COVID classes have graduated, you've got guys that are kind of you know veterans of the collegiate game who have now grown up in the NIL space. And there's only so many bigs available via the portal. There's way more guards than bigs, to Muddy Ezra's point. And because they're more coveted, they demand more potentially in the NIL space. And while San Diego State is competing, I think, in the NIL space, and they're going to continue to be competitive, it's hard to compete at the absolute highest level. I mean, that's hard for programs across the landscape. I mean, there's, there's probably a handful of programs that have separated from an Nil perspective that it's going to be hard to compete with right I mean if you're throwing around hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially in name image and likeness that's going to be hard for most every program in the country to compete with but the next point if you can go grab players and prep route they're not getting hundreds of thousands of dollars unless they're like the top player in class I think Nil is less of a story I think their development is more of a story and that's where they're trusting in San Diego State's staff potentially where the value is more in their development and potential down the road than it is in the short-term NIL. I think it's a really good point. I think Guas, if they took a year early, if they waited a year on him and he didn't like reclassify, he would have ended up anywhere he wanted to. right? And we'll see about David Majak. But again, seven-footers with skill, seven-footers with skill aren't grown on trees. So it's an astute point. It really is. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. There's just more guards. Look at college basketball. It's guard oriented. However, the elite teams in the country look at San Diego State last year elite center, Nate Mensa, elite center, in Ledee. They went up against elite centers all tournament long. All tournament long. Um, Alabama, Hulkbrenner, Creighton, Sinogo, Klingen with UConn. The FAU center was outstanding player. He's back. I forget his name. Um I forget the name of the Alabama center. Somebody helped me out. I think he was drafted this past year. So it's an astute point. And to win, listen, I think San Diego State can have a lot of success. I don't think in the Mountain West you're going up against Ryan Colt Brenner and Thomas Donogo. But I think once you get into the NCAA tournament, you never know on matchups. You're not guaranteed to go through big. And San Diego State went through big. But I think they recognize that. Um, if you do go through a team like that, you want to be built in which you have an answer. And I think the last five years, answer. I think you want to continue to have answers moving forward. You look at the way they're recruiting with these seven footers that they're hoping to build around. Um, Let's see here. Um, Well, in terms of scholarships left for this current season, I'm ninety nine percent left out he Kate Alger a scholarship to his credit. He's earned it. He's completely earned it. Um selfless Scout team member that was on non-scholarship that I think could potentially play a role by the way for Brian Toucher this year. And then next year we'll see based on who departs how many scholarships they have. I think Mark Siegler theorized today the class will be either four or five or six. You have three right now with Compton, Orville, and Majak. With uh, again Compton and Majak signing today, DeGoreville signing over the summer. So there will be at least another scholarship out. And there could be two and there could be three for 2024. And again, the working theory could be that that's via the portal where San Diego State has already done its work um, via that route. It's going to be awesome, Jazz. I cannot wait three weeks from tomorrow night. I mean, guys, come on. Think about that. Final Four banner, VA House that building, one of the great buildings in the country. Um, Cal State Fullerton, Monday night, honoring that team, I mean, come on, it's going to be unbelievable, right? It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be one of the great nights in the history of the building. Um, We'll see how the game itself goes, but just everything about it, it's going to be one of the great nights in the history of the building. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see a lot of you guys out there on uh, Monday, November 6th. Larry Joe, thank you. Excited for the development of Elijah Saunders in a player comp who's got the body type and skill set to former Colorado State Ramp David Roddy. Man, wouldn't that be something if Elijah Saunders developed into a player of caliber? David of won better forwards over the last decade, I would say, in the Mountain West, and he's graduated to the NBA. He was a, was a thorn in San Diego State side for a couple of years. I remember when Roddy and Saunders were freshmen at Viejas when San Diego State had lost a game before to UNLV when they were 26-0. It was senior night against Colorado State, and Roddy and, and uh, Elijah – who am I talking about? Isaiah Stevens. Isaiah Stevens. I don't know if I said that before. I think I said Saunders. Isaiah Stevens gave the Essex fifth. San Diego State won that game. There was the game that Colorado State came back from 26 points down in. And Roddy and Stevens played for CSU. Um, there was that controversial finish. A couple of years ago, where the Aztec committee missed a free throw at the buzzer to lose up at CSU. I mean, CSU's been a nemesis, and they had Roddy and Stevens. Um, I love that comp. And if Elijah Saunders turns into a player like David Roddy, then San Diego State's going to have one of the best forwards um, they've had, really, in school history. In school history. Eric Lanier, what's going on, man? Eric is a friend of the show, whether it's the Padres wrap-up show or uh, the Aztec wrap-up show. Eric, good to have you here tonight. Uh, Steve, really do appreciate you saying that. Really do. And again, guys, if you're here live or on replay, um, this is kind of a new venture for me. And if you're able to show support to the channel by subscribing, the more content I'm gonna be able to provide. Like I'm kind of dipping my toe in the water of this channel because I have a lot of channels um, doing Euron content related to Padres, John and kind Jim, of Monday through Friday from three to six PM. We have that channel as well. But this is something I've been meaning to do and wanting to do my passion for san diego state football and basketball this is something i really have been wanting to get off the ground as a solo venture which is easier said than done it's not the easiest thing in the world to do a solo channel but i know there's so many aztec fans that are passionate about these programs they want to talk basketball they want to talk football they want to vent when things don't go perfectly they want to celebrate when things go well um and i wish i was doing this last year during the ncaa tournament wrong decided to launch it this summer, um, for those that are unaware, I spent a ton of time on San Diego State athletics because I do pregame, halftime, and postgame for basketball. I do pregame for football. I do Brady Hoke show. I do the Brian Dutcher show. Um, I go to media days. I go to the press conferences. Right, so I consume myself with San Diego State athletics because I know that San Diego appreciates that type of content and support, and um, hopefully, I'm able to provide that to you guys. So I'm thrilled. Uh, to be able to do this here tonight and throughout the course of this football season and men's basketball season. And if you're looking for Aztec content that you're not getting anywhere else, I have it for you here. So again, if you are here, whether it's on live or on replay, please subscribe, please smash the like button. Please follow me on Twitter at John Schaefer. That is J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. Um, thank you, Sashana, from La Mesa to everyone here. Uh Viejas is lined up for the foreseeable future. Appreciate every moment, people. Thank you. All right, I'm trying to think if there's anything else here, guys, uh you wanted to touch on. Um got a, another handful of moments. Oh, what am I doing here? Sorry. Uh, Jeff, appreciate appreciate you saying that. I really do. Um for a moment to touch on San Diego State football. I saw this. <laughs> what? Let's talk about this for a moment, just to get this off my chest. And I understand how Aztec fans feel about the season. There were high expectations, you know, from twelve and two a couple of years ago to seven and six last year, and you know, hoping to bounce back and have a chance to compete for a Mountain West championship this year. And it hasn't been off to start that anyone was hoping for. Understood. And the Aztecs, even with yesterday, are three and four on the year, and have work to do to get to a bowl game. And that's all reasonable and fair. But this idea, and I was seeing yesterday on social media, that, oh, the Aztecs, um, yeah, they won, but it was boring. And that to me is like, come on, like, give me a break. Last night was boring, Aztec fans. They scored 41 points. It's now the, first time in the last three games with 30 plus points. The Boise State game was far from boring. The 34 one loss at Snapdragon a couple of weeks ago. And then last night on the islands was far from boring, it was far from perfect. In San Diego State touched down their favor by six points. What are people asking for? It was last night supposed to be some 50 point route of Hawaii. There's similar teams coming in. Both were two and four. is good at home. They're a much different team at home than they are on the road. San Diego State puts up four hundred yards offense, 157 on the ground. Uh Hill and Maiden threw the ball efficiently, seventy five percent, over two hundred yards. They had big plays on offense, but it's boring like that to me, yeah, you know, that's not that's not being you know, reasonable or fair. And again, I under you can be critical of the team and the strides they still need to make. But to say that, you know, this is uh, boring, uninspiring football, to me, that doesn't jive. Like four sports turnovers last night, there were big plays both ways. I've heard for the better part of a decade since I moved to San Diego in the mid 2010s that, yes, yeah, one thing that San Diego State wins a lot, but it's the way in which they win prefer to see them win 41-34 than 13-10. I've heard it for a decade. I've even heard I would prefer they lose 48-44 than win 7-3. And then they lose 34-31 three weeks ago. I'm not hearing any of that, Aztec fans. I'm not hearing, oh, man, what an entertaining brand of football. Yeah, we lost, but it was nice to see the progress being made on the offensive side. Heard none of it. All I heard about was the loss. And then yesterday they went 41-34, and it's not good enough. Well, they were only going to win one game last night, and they could only – Last night, they weren't playing Alabama last night. It's a chance to, you know, avenge Boise State or Air Force. It doesn't make up for the losses to Air Force or to UCLA or Oregon State. All it is is a win in one game. And now, what do they do with it? We're going to find out this weekend. Nevada's lost something like 15 or 16 in a row. So you've got to build off what happened this past weekend. You need to beat Nevada at home. Hopefully, they'll do it convincingly. And then you get another bye week and a chance for more improvement. And then this huge game potentially at home against Utah State where if you can get by Utah State, you'd be over 500, and you'd need one of your final three games to get to bowl eligibility. I get it. The goal wasn't bowl eligibility. Completely, completely get it. That wasn't the goal heading into the year. But when you were 2-4, and four, there were a lot of people thinking, they don't have a – there's no path to bowl eligibility. If they can beat Nevada Saturday, they'll have a bye week to get ready for Utah State. They'd probably be a small favorite against Utah State. It would be like, yes, a bit of a coin flip game. Be 55 45 to San Diego State, just speaking out of turn on that. So if you can find your way to five and four, you close with Colorado State and San Jose State on the road, then Fresno State at home. And you got to get one of them. And anything more than that, I would say would be gravy if you could finish between six and six in a regular season off a two and four start. That's how I look at it right now when it comes to football. I understand work needs to be done. I think we're seeing some progress on the offensive side. I really do. I thought they ran the ball well. Or better than they had been running the ball. Better than they had been running the ball. It's fair to say maybe it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the greatest rushing performance in school history. Make no mistake. But Lucky Sutton getting into jail and made takes off. The offensive line showed some promise last night, and then defensively they got back to who they are. They forced four turnovers. They gave up huge plays. I get it. They gave up huge plays. That's not the aspect we're used to. They gave up some huge plays, but they won the game 41-34. And by the way, they overcame adversity. They went down 24-20. They blew a 17-0 lead, and you know what they did? They responded. I thought it was a really good sign. And Brady Hoke said last week, he said, like paraphrasing, he's like, people think I'm crazy, but I like this team. And I think he learned something about his team this week. They could have folded. After they went down 24-20, it would have been easy to pack up the pack it up, get on the plane, head back home. It would have been easy. Punt on the season at that point. And by the way, you lose that game, you're not making a bowl game. At two and five, you're not making a bowl game. At two and five, but they won the game. They won the game, and they were favored by six, and they won by seven. And people are like, "Well, they should have won by 100 points." I mean, should they? I mean, have we been watching? You know, I don't, I don't know if that's the case or not. And let's see how they can build off that win as they come home here for um, for Saturday. Um, thank you again, guys. For- uh, GPA tear, GPA tear, saying, really appreciate all your efforts to support Aztec athletics. John, notice this season for football, you're not doing the postgame on 760. Is that temporary? Will you do postgame for basketball? Um, I will do postgame for basketball and halftime. I'm doing the two hour pregame for football. Um, I had been doing for the better part of the last six years, half and post. Then I started doing pre, half and post. We're providing some other opportunities to Ben Fletcher to do half and post right now on football. As you can imagine, the football days are very long days, especially with a two-hour pre and up to the one-hour post plus the game. Um, so at this point right now, I'm doing the two-hour pre for football. I'm doing the hour pre, either 30 minutes or an hour for basketball. on the home, road, and circumstance, but I'm doing pretty half and post uh, for basketball so thank you again for the support all right guys that's going to do it because i'm about to hop on another wrap-up show hydra's wrap-up show so join us over there in five minutes again really appreciate you guys hanging out tonight again brand new channel if it's your first time here if you wouldn't mind subscribing i would really appreciate it great way to show support for my work and also to find content you're not getting anywhere else related to san diego state basketball and football so please subscribe Smash the like button for me and follow me on Twitter at John Schaefer. That is J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. Much more of these coming up later this month and into November as well. So now is the time to subscribe whether you're here live or on replay. All right. We'll be uh, we'll be back with you. Again, John and Jim, San Diego Sports 760. Join you want us tomorrow at 3 p.m., we'll be talking about San Diego State basketball on the recruiting trail. We'll be talking San Diego State football as well, until next time, my name is John Schaefer, and you've been watching. Let's take a wrap-up show. Thanks, guys.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.